0: Hey y'all, welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. This week we'll look at society's unending search for truth and how that truth is found only in following Jesus. So I hope you get as much from it as we did. Thanks again. Enjoy. I'm glad to see everybody back this week as we return to our regularly scheduled programming by looking into the last half of chapter four. Last half of chapter four. That's wonderful English on my part. The last half of chapter four. These few verses are some of my favorite in all of Ephesians, as I think they really drive Paul's point home. It's been a minute since we talked specifically about Paul and his reasons for writing to the church at Ephesus. So if you're like me, then you forget things easily. So before we get into these verses, let's remind ourselves about it. Who is Paul? In order to understand any of Paul's letters, you've got to have an idea of who he is. So before Paul comes to faith in Christ, he is a well-educated, wealthy member of the Jewish faith named Saul from Tarsus. We know that Saul was a man who killed Christians for a living. He was there when Stephen was stoned, the first martyr. And Acts 8 says that he completely agreed and the killing of Stephen. When Paul has his life-changing encounter with God in Acts chapter 9, he's on the way to arrest more Christians in Damascus by the order of the high priest, and he's on the road to Damascus, and a bright light shines from heaven and stops him, and he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then God tells him to go into Damascus, and he'll meet a man named Ananias. And Ananias is going to work with him, and they'll begin preaching there. And then he's lowered out of a basket because of threats on his life. And immediately then, he begins his journey telling people about the gospel. But this is just the beginning for Paul. For we know that from 2 Corinthians eleven sixteen through 33, that Paul has been in prison multiple times. He's been whipped, he's been beaten, he's been stoned, he's been shipwrecked, adrift at sea, and faced danger at every turn. All for the glory of Christ and the advancement of the gospel. Paul has been radically changed by the power of Jesus and knows that it is not enough to simply say, I believe. Interestingly enough, in verse 28, he writes that on top of all that, he has his daily concern for all the churches, which is so hilarious because all these things, which are so, so so much worse and so horrible, it bothers him more, the stuff that the churches do, which is so funny. He's lived quite the life. and You can see that. You can see all the things he's been through. But he's more worried about the churches than anything else, which means they cause him more stress, which is just comical to me. But with that aside, that brings us to the church in Ephesus. So churches, big C, church. I believe it's important to make the distinction distinction that churches come in all shapes, styles, and sizes. Whether it be a secret meeting in homes, worship services with thousands in attendance or whatever, the church is not confined to four walls and a roof. The church of Jesus Christ is people, His people of every race and religion who love Christ and are committed to serving Him. The church is not a place, it's His people. It's so important, in the beginning, of Christians gathering in churches began in the early years after Jesus' death. Beginning in Jerusalem, the church spread rapidly due to the ministries of disciples and other believers. As persecution intensifies, the gospel spreads throughout the world. Like we talked about and prayed through the last weeks, we will face persecution. There is no greater assur- assurance of this than in 1 Peter 1, 6-7. It says, So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine and is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. It will not be easy, but God tells us that his power works best in our weakness. Paul tells us to boast in our weaknesses because it puts the power of Christ on full display. The early church grows through this. Paul plays a major role in this during his three missionary journeys. One One of the churches Paul plants is in Ephesus, the Roman city. In modern-day Turkey, it was established in 53 A.D. on Paul's journey back to Jerusalem, yet he returns a year later and he preaches the gospel in Ephesus for three years. Later, he sends Timothy to serve as their leader. Years go by, and Paul is arrested. Again, that happens often, if you know Paul in Rome. While he's there, Tychicus visits him to bring news from Ephesus. Paul writes a letter to the church he started years before, not to scold or confront any problems, but to offer encouragement to other believers which is so important to encourage other believers, which is Paul's purpose throughout the book of Ephesians to empower other believers to boldly proclaim Jesus wherever they are, regardless of anything they have done, because the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside each of us who have been radically transformed by the gospel. So now we've been reminded about Paul and his purpose for writing this letter. Let's pray and we'll get right into chapter four. Father, we come to you this morning. We pray that you will guide us through this text, that you will give me words to speak, that the Holy Spirit would flow through everybody in this room, that you would give us ears to hear. and We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray amen. Verses 17, living as children of light. What does it say? It says, with the Lord's authority, I say this, We live no longer this, as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. The natural tendency of all humans is to think our way away from God. We try to solve these problems on our own with our own perfect logic, right? We think we all have the answers. And at some point, all humans search for truth, and the Bible says few ever even find it. And I get extremely upset when I think about this for several reasons. Number one being, I realize how much more I could be doing to point people to Jesus and secondly I realized how often it is that people search for light in the darkness so three years ago four years ago something like that I had the same AP language teacher for two years and she was fantastic one of my favorite people in the entire world and in her class she had us read through the novel into the wild by John Krakauer it's a phenomenal book that I, actually, I recommend you actually sit down and read instead of just reading the cliff notes like so many people unfortunately did in that class. However, that's not my point today. There's a point in the novel where the author recounts his experience of climbing the devil's thumb in Alaska, which is an incredibly difficult task, and throughout his experience, he believes that getting to the summit will somehow reveal all of life's mysteries and answer the question, what is truth? And he gets to the top and discovers that he did not discover the truth that is only found in Christ, in something worldly. Sadly, this happens all too often. And there's only one thing that will fill the Jesus-shaped hole in your heart. Not money, not power, not climbing devil's thumb, not relationships, not that girl or that guy that you think about. Or Not drugs, not alcohol, not popularity. Only Jesus. Jesus is the only one who saves. Don't lose sight of that. Get on the path. Get on the path. Verses 18 through 24. It says their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and equally practice every kind of impurity, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. These verses should sound familiar if you've been here since August. Ephesians 2 talks about this same idea. Once you were done, your trespasses and sin, But what? But God, who is so rich in mercy, saved you by his grace from the moment you first believed. How awesome is that? I could stop right there and just be done. That just about does it. Once you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but what? But God, who is so rich in mercy, who saved you by his grace from the moment you first believed. That covers it. However, Paul continues on here, so we need to continue on too. He says, Throw off your old sinful nature. What does that mean? Look at verses 18 and 19 one more time. It says, Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they've closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. There should not be any evidence of those things in your life anymore if you claim to follow Jesus. I can promise you from experience that the joy found in following Christ is far greater than anything that the world can offer you. Paul tells us to live as children of light, having received the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Once you've accepted Christ, everything is different. You've been reconciled in God. The things you've done don't matter anymore, for you are made new in Christ. That doesn't mean there's not worldly consequences to that. Spiritually, there are none. Our interest in this world were crucified on his cross, when he died for us and its interest in us has also died live like Jesus verses 25 through 32 it says to so stop telling lies let's tell our neighbors the truth for we are all parts of the same body and don't sin by letting anger control you don't let the sun go down while you're still angry for it gives a foothold to the devil don't let the sun go down while you're still angry for the anger gives foothold to the devil remember that that's important especially girls out there y'all are angry if you're a thief quit stealing instead use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So get rid of all bitterness, all rage, all anger, all harsh words, all slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving, love one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you and loved you. Live like Jesus easier said than done, right? That is a lifelong process that will continue on until Jesus himself comes back. My prayer is that I will live a life worthy of the gospel, that you will live a life worthy of the gospel. My hope is that years after I'm gone, that all anyone remembers about me as a man who loved Jesus, that all they would see is Christ in me. I was talking to someone a couple weeks back, and without directly telling them to live like Jesus, I said, get on the path. If you listen to a Jocko podcast, you know where I'm getting that from. Get on the path. I didn't plan that then, but as I was getting ready for today, I realized that's what I meant when I said that. Paul tells us here that a few things we can do are telling the truth, being patient, not being pissed off all the time, specifically not letting anger control you. Don't steal. Instead, do work that is good. Don't use foul or abusive language. If you've been around me for any length of time, you know this is when I have a hard time with. Apologies to Austin, Hudson, Zeke, Kaylee, and anybody else I left out. Except for Bo and Hannah, I do not apologize to y'all. Don't bring sorrow to God by the way you live. That that last one's worth repeating, I think. Don't bring sorrow to God by the way you live. Are you? lastly. Be kind to one another. Love one another just as Christ loved you. So in closing, if God can forgive me, he can absolutely forgive you. If you haven't given your life to Christ and you are still actively living in sin, you are corrupted by lust and deception. So instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Live as children of light. Put down the bottle drink living water instead. If you have, that's awesome. Praise God. Live as children of light. Encourage one another. Love one another. And look for opportunities to share Jesus at each and every turn. There's a whole world full of people who need the love of Christ. Better yet, there's a high school I know of that does too. So as you go throughout your week, think about that. Stay on the path. Get some. See you all soon. Bye.